Hey, how's it going, Rule Breakers? It's Adele Jackson Gibson. And I am Anya Alvarez. Welcome to the show. Guess who we have on today? We have Natasha Hastings, who is an Olympic gold medalist in track. And she, I'm telling you, this interview was so much fun because I felt like I just spoke with someone who spoke so much life into me. Like, I feel like a new person after talking with her. Yeah, and we also, this is the period episode, so if you're sensitive to menstrual cycles, which you shouldn't be, I am judging, um, get ready. Because <laughs> it's going to get messy. <laughs> or not, depending. Right. But enjoy. <laughs> Welcome to Rule Breakers. Welcome to the Rule Breakers podcast. Uh, my name is Adele. My name is Anya Alvarez. <laughs> and we're here with the one and only Natasha Hastings, the 400 meter, meter diva. Um, she's a gold, uh, Olympic gold medalist, and she's a total badass if you ever follow her on Instagram. Um, and she's just inspiring uh, women and girls all over the world. So welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Where should we start? I feel like there's so much ground to cover with everything that you've accomplished in your lifetime. But I I am curious. I'm always curious with athletes who are really elite in what they do as to how they got started in their sport and when they realized they were really good at it. Um, so... I've been running for as long as I can remember. Um, Let me start by saying that. Um, I come from a family of track athletes. So both my mom and dad ran track. My mom actually made the 84 Olympic team for Trinidad. Um, They met in college on um, athletic scholarships. So for as long as I can remember, I've been running. I officially joined a team when I was nine. Um, and I, I pretty much stayed with that coach. I left him for maybe two years when I was like 11 or 12, but he pretty much coached me straight through to college, through junior high and high school. Um, when I had the realization that, um, I probably was about 13 or 14, um, you know, when the conversation started centering around, you know, you could go to school, um, for free on a scholarship. Um, and then sort of understanding, I mean, I was 10 when I, I knew I wanted to be an Olympian, but back then it still wasn't the connection that, you know, um, I could possibly make this into a living or it, I, I don't think I made that until I was probably in high school. I don't, I'm oh, sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and then you had like a really successful uh, career at USC where you then got the nickname 400 meter diva and i want to know like what is that persona for you is it like beyonce's sasha fierce like give me the breakdown about like how that came about who beyonce sasha fierce um <laughs> let me say she's definitely an alter ego i can say that because mm. um you say 400 meter diva I'm so grateful that we are not video recording this interview because <laughs> right now I am in sweats. Um, I have a um, 
microfiber towel on my head, drying my hair. And this is typically my MO at home. <laughs> like if you came to my house, I am super laid back, always in comfy clothes. Um, so the diva, 400 meter diva persona definitely is an alter ego. I'm not someone who, you know, wears makeup every day. Although now that I'm venturing into the cosmetic world, I'm, I'm wearing more makeup than I have in the past. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's the, the, the character or the, the place that I go to when it's time to perform, when it's time to do my job. Um, the name itself came out of me actually naming the track team there, the Gamecock Divas. And so then it just kind of came out of that. But all of it was happenstance, did an interview. Oh, yeah, the girls were always pretty. They were always fast. They, you know, Coach Fry did such a great job. And, you know, they just, they looked like divas. And then the story ran Gamecock Divas returned to Penn Relays. And then that was it. It just took off from there. So um, it was by accident, but it is a alter ego for sure. What is the alter ego? What does it personify, though? Like, how what kind of characteristics do you feel like you take on as a diva? Um, so <laughs> first and foremost, I'm going to say be unapologetic, right? So my thing isn't about, you know, necessarily it being, you know, wearing the makeup to compete. Um, I think at face value, it looks like that. But for me, it's, you know, I, I'm an athlete, right? And because I'm an athlete, automatically you want to put me into a box. Um, and just because I'm an athlete doesn't mean that, you know, I don't like running in a bright red lipstick or, you know, I don't like a good stiletto. Um, but I also feel like on the flip side of that, if you are an athlete, a female athlete that doesn't care for makeup or loves sneakers, like own that too, you know? Um, but for me, it's it's about, you know, me busting through whatever stereotype or norm you feel like um, you should place on an athlete. Um, I've been criticized that, you know, I'm not taking my performance serious enough. I'm more concerned about my makeup and how I look. And it's like, but at the end of the day, what I do is on television. And so looking the part <laughs> is part of the job description. You know, if I was working behind a desk, you know, you would expect me to come to work looking professional, right? There would be some sort of dress code. There would be some sort of protocol. And it's it's the same thing for me, but I'm just doing it on my own terms. Well, and two, it, 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 I'm sure there's some sort of confidence that it gives you when you feel like you're owning yourself. If you do like wearing red lipstick or you want to do your hair a certain way before a race, that Absolutely. it makes you feel more confident. I, Adele doesn't like when I talk about my past life as a professional golfer because she hey. thinks golf is the most boring sport I mean, in the world. you've yet to prove me why I should try, so. But. We had this motto <laughs> that, you know, a lot of your performance on the golf course would be based on if you felt good in the clothing you were wearing. And that's a conversation that's actually starting to really take place in golf a lot mm -hmm. is if you feel good in whatever, you know, your uniform, then you're more likely to perform better on the golf course. And I absolutely believe that because once okay. I started feeling more comfortable in the clothes that I was wearing, I, I stopped worrying about what I looked like and focused right. on my play more. 
A hundred percent. I believe if you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you perform good. One, one hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, to jump onto this, I'm just because I ran track uh, through college and I was always afraid of the girls who wore makeup and had their nice nails and really nice sock, like one of them tall, one of them short. Yes, I was threatened by that because I wasn't that person. And usually the girl that dressed like that was good. If she wasn't good in my head, this is me being immature. If she wasn't fast, she couldn't dress like that. I had judgments about that. Um, You know, I'm... On one hand, I'm blown away by that, but on the other hand, not so much because I do think that track is sort of, and and I'm I'm only saying track because I can't speak for any other sport, but there is sort of this culture where like you can only do certain things if you're that good, you know. Like right. I remember when I was in high school, the thing was, well, if you're gonna wear shades, you better win the race. And it's like at the end of the day, the sun is out, the shades are nice. <laughs> Who cares if I come in last or first? <laughs> but that that was the culture that like if you're not going to win, you don't have any business putting on shades. So I can I can see where that comes from where it's like well, if if I'm not going to win then and and I fell victim to that too where like people were like I said criticizing me for wearing makeup and the conversation was well, you know, if if you would focus more on your race. And it's like, bruh, it took me two seconds to put my lipstick on in the hotel before I even left for the track. So if that's the reason why I had a bad race today, I actually have bigger problems than that, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of blown away, but at the same time, I'm like, I can actually see why that was a thing, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I'm clearly like I had to overcome my own insecurities at that time for like not winning as much as I would like to. But it was definitely like this culture of like girls kind of being catty towards each other that I hadn't experienced in other sports. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course, not everybody, um, I mean, who looks any sort of way acts a type of way. So yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I I just I just noticed that. And um, I don't know. I I also find it ironic that, you know, there's in every area of life, like you were saying, we put on our war paint in a way. But when war paint shows up in certain ways, it's wrong or it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, distracting. But Mm -hmm. yeah. But who's it distracting for you or me? You know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I tried to be distracting towards people by just (laughs) talking in their backswing. No, I'm just kidding. I never did that. (laughs) There's always some mind game, and I think, isn't that that's that's also sort of like the individual sport kind of coming out too. And I mean, mm-hmm. I know in sports that comes out as well, but I mean, I imagine in golf, track, swimming, um, tennis, um, being an individual sport, there does kind of so like going back to your your comment about the cattiness, like a hundred percent um and you know that's a culture that i wish that we could move forward from or away from but um yeah that that's our reality and i think especially um coming up in the culture it definitely bred that so obviously you're quite the fashionista and there's one trend that i'm noticing in social media now uh i mean tracks always had this element of 
you know, women being quite fashionable on mm-hmm. the track, like you have mm-hmm. Flojo, there's you, mm-hmm. and many other examples of that, um, just because of the nature the sport allows that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're also seeing, like, you know, WNBA athletes making, like, magazine covers, you know, we had them on Incel Magazine, that was amazing. And I feel like there's something changing about our appreciation of the female athlete in terms mm-hmm. of fashion. And I'm wondering what your take was on that. Um, well, I think first and foremost, I think we kind of have to to give credit to like who started that. And, you know, track being my thing, I'm I'm going to, of course, jump to Flojo. Um, that was sort of the thing. Again, when a big deal was made about me wearing makeup, it was like, well, wait, first of all, I'm not the first to do this. Second of all, most of the other girls are wearing makeup, oh, too. Yeah. It's just, you know, mine is just a little bit more in your face because in my, I I joke and say in my past life, I was a drag queen, but, you know, (laughs) you know, we're all doing it. And so I think the more the conversation has, has been put in the forefront, forefront that like, look, if you want to wear lipstick, wear your dang lipstick. If you want to wear a ponytail, wear your ponytail. Cause you know what? I, I think at the 2012 games was was a prime example where, you know, the world ripped Gabby Douglas to shreds. And it was like, at the end of the day, she's there to do her job. And she did her job damn well. Mm-hmm. But here it is. Instead of talking about her performance, we're talking about how she looks. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Embrace who you are and celebrate who you are. And so I think it's it's the dopest thing to see women, you know, being empowered to, um, you know, be who they are. And like I said, if you want to be a tomboy, be a tomboy, because I'm at the house right now in my sweats chilling. (laughs) And if you want to be the most feminine thing out there, then do that too, you know? Well, and I think too, when it comes, if if I, I don't like to compare too much in terms of male and female athletes, but if you think of male athletes who express themselves in a way on the field they're, I don't think they're held to the same level of critique of them not taking their sport seriously because mm-hmm. they may take on a certain fashion yeah. trend or style that suits who they are as a person. How they celebrate, how they, you know, um, challenge their calls or, you know, yeah, 100%, 100%. Do you feel that um, maybe black female athletes – are critiqued a little bit more harshly in that area? I think so. I, I, I do. <laughs> I do think so. Um, I can say that, again, I can only speak for track because track is my experience, but I can say that, again, I'm not the only girl who wears makeup, but I've seen it be more celebrated on the other side, you know, for the white female athletes versus, you know, well, Natasha Hastings is wearing makeup and she needs to be more focused on her performance. Um, so I, I, I have to agree with that. And I have to wonder what makes people think, though, I mean, with any woman, right, who may uh, do something with their appearance to make them feel better about themselves, yeah. how people would feel like that is a distraction from them being committed to whatever profession it is that they're trying to excel in. Like since when did want like liking a certain style or wanting to dress a certain way, take away from your focus of who you are intrinsically as a person and the things that you want to accomplish. I, I, 
I want because there's so much pressure, I think, for women to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then like you're saying, damn if you do, damn if you don't. And then if you do take if you do do all these things that society tells you that you should do, well, you're not smart or you're not dedicated enough to your job. You spend too much time getting I'm just like I'm just wondering where that line of thinking came from somewhat like why think, why does that matter you know i think we're asking the wrong we probably need to ask those people who you know project that because i wonder the very same thing you know um i get comments from people and i mean it, i guess being a public figure i don't even refer to think of myself as a public figure but it's one of the things that I guess comes along with the territory where people feel the need to comment on things that it's just kind of like, well, you know, you have an opinion or you have a problem with the way that I look or the way that I do things, but you're not even brave enough to post a picture of your a profile picture of yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're sitting behind a computer with your or a smartphone with your negative comments. Um, so I don't know. I wonder if they feel threatened. I wonder if it's an insecurity that they're projecting on them, on us. Um, I, I, I don't really know. I don't, cause I, for the life of me, I do not, I, I do not understand why some people feel the need to say some of the things that they say or pick apart some of the things that they do. Cause something that I would like to point out, um, I can't come to your job and tell you how to do your job, right? I don't, and and I can't tell you how to do your job because number one, I can't be there. And number two, your job is your area of expertise, right? So how then do you, as someone sitting at home, watching me do my area of expertise, have an opinion or a thought that trumps mine or my coaches, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that's another thing that I I find myself like sitting back and listening to conversations or even seeing the comments that I get. And I'm just like, where do you get off with this? Like, why do you feel like, why do you, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I really don't. It's interesting to me the subject of femininity though. Um, because I'm working on a a documentary right now about Althea Gibson and, Mm -hmm. One of the things that I ran across uh, during some of my research was this one article that was written about her after she had left tennis and she was uh, forging a new path in golf. She played on the LPGA as well. Mm-hmm. And it was this article. It was like the way that the article opened was really interesting. And it was like, Althea Gibson, more feminine than ever before. And I was like... <laughs> And this is written in the early 60s, I think like 1961, uh-huh. 1962. And that just really stood out to me because I'm like, why? You have this tennis player, this woman who was ranked number one in the world. Uh-huh. And you're, play, you're making that immediately the focus of she's more beautiful now. She's more uh, – she's fitting more into the beauty standards that we've set up for society. Uh-huh. And, and, and I – you know, I'm, I'm – have a feeling that part of it that she did feminize herself in the sense because of the space she was going in and into the golf world mm-hmm. um but it was just such an interesting thing for them to focus on immediately about her not like Althea Gibson 
uh, Wimbledon and U.S. Open champion. (laughs) It was just like, it was so weird. I think think it goes back to the whole feeling threatened thing. Um, I do. Because automatically the thing that I'm thinking about is, um, um, oh my God, why am I blanking right now? Castor Semenya. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I, I think about that because I remember when she came onto the scene in 2009 and I remember the rumblings in the stadium of what is she like, is this fair? Is this right? And I, I remember a few things about it. I said, you know, Number one, um, this is going to sound horrible to say, but I'm glad I don't have to run against her. I'm glad that she runs the 800 and not the 400. But the other thing is that at the end of the day, she's still a human being, right? And she's sitting on the other side of all of this ridicule and all of these comments and all of these things that people are saying. And I would hate to be the person sitting on that committee that has to make the decision in which way do we go? Because I, I, I feel like there, that committee is in an impossible situation because it's like, do you make one happy for the sake of the majority or do you make the majority happy for the sake of one? Right. But from there, you know, she was this big story. And then we come back and after the track season, there was this, I don't remember what magazine it was, but they ran a story on her and they, put extensions on her, put her in all this makeup, put her in a dress, all of this stuff to show that, you know, by definition, whoever, whoever's definition it is that being a woman is wearing extensions and having makeup and wearing a dress and looking more feminine. And I'm doing feminine in air quotes, um, to appease those who were questioning what is she, right? And, and I, I venture to think that that comes from a place of being threatened. Like, how do we make her look a way that makes us more comfortable with what, right. how she was born, you know? Um, so I, I, I think... Um, I think society tends to do that. And, you know, much like how when you when you've read the and I'll be the first to admit, I looked at the magazine and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, she really is gorgeous. But why is she not gorgeous just being herself, you know? And so I think, you know, being aware of the conversation constantly changing and having to open our minds, because when that story ran in 1960, no one saw anything wrong with that story. Right. But now. 40, 50 years, like 60 years later, when you read that and you're like, what the heck? Why is that? You know? Um, so I, I think it's a level of consciousness and a level of, you know, society is threatened by, you know, a woman just being who she is, like, and owning that. And for those who don't know who Castor is, she's, from from my memory, she's intersex track um, athlete, right? It's, I, I, I don't want to... The definitions that are set out, um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough. Like, I don't think anybody really knows how to talk about this topic. Yeah, and it's, she, it's one of those things where no one really knows. I don't want to say no one really knows. I don't really know, so I don't want to speculate. But I do know that she has an elevated level of testosterone because yeah. of however she was born. And that's right. the major point of discussion. Right. Um, but the labels are confusing is, right yeah. now. I, I don't know the definition or what the scientific term is, but the, the level of testosterone is the big 
um, conversation. I mean, generally, this the whole topic is really bringing into question what gender even means in sport and why mm-hmm. we separate right. it, you know. And I, I feel like, I don't know, like obviously we all of us grew up in, you know, playing girl sports or mm-hmm. whatever and boys playing boy sports and like that gave us an opportunity to do what we do. Um, but, you know, I feel like my hunch is we're going to keep running into more and more of these examples of like oh, we are. Know, who, we, who are. we are as a human race rather than men, women. Um, Mm -hmm. and what we're capable of. Like, I think it's amazing that Caster can run as fast as she can. And that's Mm -hmm. like, should be celebrated in my mind. And then we should be asking like, oh wait, whoa, like who are we? Like, you know, like we thought that we knew, you know, who we were, but, um, but then also like you also had an interesting story growing up and like embracing your body as a teenager and not looking feminine enough. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about that mm-hmm. and like um, your foundation? And I know your series Tea Time, you know, mm-hmm. talking to, you know, young girls about being comfortable with themselves and um, mm-hmm. what you're setting out to do with that. Absolutely. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that I started when I was nine. (laughs) So I've always had an athletic body, right? So, you know, get to middle school, high school where, you know, girls are changing. We're starting to see our periods and, you know, girls are growing boobs and I'm still flat chested. And then I've got these broad muscular shoulders. Um, I was joking around today about joining the um, glow up challenge or the puberty hit me hard challenge. Um, Cause I definitely went through my little ugly duckling phase. So girls out there that are listening, if you're going through that phase, just know it's going to be okay. We all go through it. <laughs> um, yeah. <Yep>. But, <laughs> but I definitely went through that phase where, you know, I was looking at the other girls and, you know, I wasn't the girl that like, I went to my prom by myself. No one was asking me to go to prom. Like, um, I didn't have a ton of boyfriends or a ton of boys running after me or, you know, that just wasn't, I just wasn't that girl. And so I did deal with that, those insecurities that like, why am I not developing the way that they are? Why, you know, how come no one's asking me to prom kind of thing? Um, And then even as an adult, um, I think it's important that I even share this, that like, there are days that I look in the mirror and I'm like, whoo, Lord, you know, girl, you run the quarter. You can't have all of this. You know, I'm I'm one of the larger girls um, in my event, you know, so even that's another piece of ridicule that I get from time to time. I'm, I'm on TV. Everyone knows we look bigger on TV. So, you know, I've been in instances where I'll meet someone and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, you're so much smaller in person. And I'm like, oh, you were probably that person that tweeted me and told me I need to lose weight. Right. But again, you're sitting behind your computer saying whatever it is that you want to say and you don't know how that's affecting me how i'm internalizing that um so you know it's it's important for me that not just for the young girls that you know i hope to touch through my foundation but also as women like comparison is the thief of joy and Mm -hmm. you know just embrace who you are and love who you are and 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 also if you want to do something to make yourself feel better if that's what you feel like you want to do then kudos to you but you don't have to um you know apologize to anyone or be ashamed of you know who you are or the things you want 
I feel like I am in a Natasha Hastings workshop right now on self-esteem. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I'm learning so much right now. I'm, I'm curious, though, how, how do you deal with the criticism? How do you block that out before you're, you're getting ready to race? Because I feel like your mind has to be totally clear as you're stepping up. Mm-hmm. on on the track so a few things um the block button is my best friend on social media mm-hmm. <laughs> first and foremost um but then also um one of the things that i always tell people is you know it starts with how you speak to yourself it starts with you know when you look in the mirror every day what do you tell yourself um i i love this quote and i, I always repeat the quote and i should know who said the quote, but I don't, um, be careful how you speak to yourself because you might be listening. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's really, it really starts with how you view yourself and the things that you say to yourself. And so I have this practice, um, I call it, I am, and I literally say all of the things that I believe I am, or some of the things that I may be even faking it till I make it like, I, I want to be this thing right now. I don't really believe that I am, but if I say it enough, I'll believe it. Um, and then also just changing my negatives to positives. Um, the second a negative thought comes into my mind, I change it to a positive. Like, you know, I run the 400. Everybody knows that last hundred is a beast. <laughs> and there are some days I'm sitting in the holding area and I'm like, man, I can't do this. And I'm like, no, you can Last hundred is going to be great. You're you're going to finish strong. You you know go through my race plan, and so you know it starts with the block button. It starts with turning social media off and really dialing in and tuning into what it is that you're focused on and what it is that you're doing, and then how you speak to yourself. Like the second a negative thought creeps into your mind, you have to change it to a positive. That I'm going to start using that for when I get out of bed in the morning and be like, oh, I can't get out of bed. Yes, you can, Anya. You can do it. You can but do you know, it. That's another thing that I do. At the, at the beginning of the day, set your intentions for how you want that day to go. Like before your feet even, it's like saying your morning prayers before you even touch the ground. I'm grateful that I woke up this morning. Today is going to be an amazing day. Something may go awry, but I'm going to bring it right back on track. Like it, it starts from the minute you open your eyes. Seriously. I'm, I'm curious when you, you're talking about you start, say I am, and sometimes you're faking it. But I'm curious, can you give us an example of something that maybe you're working on right now in terms of believing about yourself of what you are? Um, so the biggest, I would say the biggest challenge that I have now is, you know, starting the businesses that I've started from my foundation, now my cosmetics line. I'm entering a world that I have no freaking clue about, right? And I'm learning as I'm going. So I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not sure that I really understand what the word entrepreneur means, (laughs) but I know I don't want to work for anybody and I want to continue, you know, doing the things that I'm passionate about. And, um, So that's one of the things. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm figuring it out as I go. Um, But I and I know that if I apply the things that I've learned through sport in terms of being a champion, that much I know I am. Um, Being resilient, that much I know I am. Being a good learner, that much I know I am. Um, Then I can become the entrepreneur that I want to be. Yeah. Um, To add on to that, because I've been reading about 
um, this technique. Th- what you're technically doing, I think, is mirror work. Have you heard of Louise Hay at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So uh, I, I was reading um, about it a little bit, and I'm interested in the fact that, like, so a lot of people, they hear about this, oh, yeah, rah, rah, affirmation stuff in the mirror, and they, like you said, you don't necessarily believe it right away. Certain people have lived certain lives where, like, literally saying that to yourself, like, I love myself, is hard. Like, people look at themselves and break down. And so I think if anybody's listening to this and, like, is, like, you know, really, like, dismissing it whatsoever, I think there's, like, steps to to this sort of work or practice, really, about, you know, you start small, like, I'm open to loving myself, not even saying I love myself yet. And then like, I'm willing to love myself until you start, you know, really confirming face to face with your own face that you are worthy. Yeah, there's there's steps. It's it's steps. It's and it's work. And I think a part of the work, um, I think that sometimes we can get ahead of ourselves in terms of I think it's very important that we acknowledge our feelings. And so for me, that's like, if I'm upset about something and I want to cry, you know, most of us, we try to fight our cry. Mm-mm. Let it out. Why do you feel this way? Like acknowledge what it is that you feel. Try to figure out why you feel that way. And then you can start to. So, so yeah, it's, it's a lot like, you know, I, I say, I say I'm an entrepreneur, but at the end of the day, I'm as much as I say it and I'm going to believe it. If I'm going to become an entrepreneur, I still have to do the work to become an entrepreneur, right? So it does, you know, again, how you speak to yourself, but then you got to be willing to do the work to get there. And and it's, some of it is going to be in tears and some of it is going to be, you know, it's going to seem impossible to get there, but you have to acknowledge those feelings, that that why, before you can get to that goal it is that you're trying to get to. And I, th- I think, too, sometimes we're not patient. And we're, you, know, you touched on that a little bit. But, I mean, in your case, it's, you didn't become an elite athlete overnight. You had a mix of talent and hard work and a lot of other things that went into being an Olympic gold medalist. And then with anything else in our lives, too, we have to be willing to take the time to see it through. You might You could do positive affirmations for a week, and you may not see an immediate change right away. But right. you have to stick through it to for mm-hmm. to actually see the fruition of it. And exactly. I think sometimes we're so eager to see change or success or progress that we mm-hmm. never really give ourselves the opportunity to see how the things great could be if we just give it a little bit extra little time. time. Blame social media for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I blame mm-hmm. social media for a lot of things. <laughs> But I agree yeah. with that too. <laughs> yep. Um, I think social media is great for a lot of things, but it's also terrible for a ton of other things. So yeah, um, we we live in a world and culture of instant gratification, but nothing is overnight. It's not. Yo, I so appreciate that Apple updated my phone to set time limits to everything on my phone. I'm so happy. You don't you don't know how oh, that update? What does it do? Screen time, right? Yes, yeah, screen time is like amazing. Literally, I have I have a block on from six to ten a.m. that I can't look at anything on my phone. If I have to get on my computer, I have to do that. But that 
it shuts off my Instagram after I used it for about an hour or so during my day. Oh. It's like that's crazy. I need oh, to it's utilize so that. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I downloaded a Kardashian blocker, um, so what? I can't get any Kardashian updates on my phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't even know that that existed. This is kind of unnecessary. Also, now learning that Anya actually kind of paid attention to the Kardashians. Well, no, it's just like they would come up in your feed. What feed? It doesn't come yeah, up in mine. It comes up on your Instagram feed. Like, depending on things that you look at, it'll be like, oh, okay. you might be interested in this. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm tired of seeing Kardashians. Oh and I, I, I Googled it randomly. I'm like, is there a Kardashian blocker? And there was. Wow. Someone's <laughs> making money it was off awesome. of that. Right. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so Natasha, uh, one other thing that really interested me, because I've always wanted to talk about this topic, is being an athlete with a period. Mm. Not the <laughs> sentence period, but with the menstruation <laughs> cycle. We're women here. Um, mm-hmm. I personally never really had a problem with my menstrual cycle throughout my life. No cramps, pain, or anything like that. But I know, I think there was oh, one. I know, I God know. bless me, I'm blessed, I, hashtag. Um, but there's, uh, there was a British athlete, uh, uh, track actor, yeah, mm-hmm. who wrote this essay for um, Spikes, I think, I, about, yeah. you know, her experience um, and how- Jasmine Sawyers, sorry. I went to high school with a Jasmine Sawyers. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, no, all good. Um, but yeah, just like how, tough it was for her to compete every time she got her menstrual cycle and she never really sought help until Mm -hmm. later on in her career and she was talking about like oh like imagine like what you know past experience could have been like had I had the resources and the knowledge about how to handle this better and Mm -hmm. I want to know what your experience has been as an athlete with a menstrual cycle so a lot like you um Minus the no cramps part. I haven't had a terrible experience with my cycle. Um, Yes, I've had cramps, but I come from it from the perspective of, I just feel like us as women need to be more empowered with knowledge, especially when it comes to our bodies. Um, And for me, my experience has been, I've never had a male, a female coach. So thank God I just don't care. And I'm like, listen, I have my period today or my period's coming. So I'm cramping. Like I I have that experience where like a few days before my period is coming a certain, and if we have a hard workout, then my stomach will start cramping. Like, and, and that'll actually be the sign that, oh, my period's about to come, you know, but there are girls that are afraid of having that conversation. Right. Of like, hey, coach, today I have my period. And and here's the thing. Um, it's not so much um, something that we're looking for anyone to make an excuse for us, but it's just the fact of our life, right? Because I've had to make tra- training adjustments, but I've also been at the Olympic trials with my period. And you know what? At the end of the day, I just had to go do my job and make the team, right? But there are also studies out there that show that um, women are more susceptible to injuries during that premenstrual um, cycle phase, right? And I figured that out just by paying attention to when I was getting injured. And finally, one day I said to my doctor, I was like, man, I don't know if this means anything, but 
I just noticed that anytime I get a little nick or knack or something, my period is about to start. And my doctor was like, no, actually it does mean something like that's, that's true. You know, there are studies that show that. And I immediately thought like, well, damn, how come no one told me that? Because again, it's a simple conversation that, Hey coach, this is coming about. We need to, you know, just make an adjustment. I'm not saying I don't want to train today, but you know, can we make an adjustment for, you know, that so that we avoid the possibility of injury, right? Because yeah. really quick, what kind if, of injuries are you talking about? Um, so so currently I'm dealing with a knee injury, okay. um, which I'm finally just cleared to to getting um back on the track. Um, but then I've also um I pulled my hamstring about a month before mm. the Olympic trials, and that was pre-cycle. Um, um, there was another injury that I had a few years ago. I want to say my Achilles, either my Achilles or quad, and I noticed that it was around my period. So, I mean, apart from my knee, the hamstring situation, I was out for about a week or so, um, but we like went into to high vamp training. It was more of a strain than a pull. Let me correct my language there. It was a strain and not a pull because if it was a pull, I wouldn't be walking. But um, yeah, most of the injuries that I've noticed. And then I also found an article um, online. I think it was Stanford um, where they have found that most ACL injuries have also in women have come around their cyclic, pre-cyclic phase. So um, for me, again, you know, if, if we could have that conversation, we could prevent that. And then taking it a step further when we're talking about sexual health and, you know, it blows my mind how how many females don't know that not seeing your period actually isn't healthy. <laughs> you know, um, you're ruining your or not ruining, but you're jeopardizing your chances of having children later on. You're putting yourself at risk for osteosporosis later on in life. Um, y- your body fat just should not scientifically should not be that low period. Um, we're meant to hold a little bit more fat than men. But again, these are conversations that we're just not having. And why are we not having it? You know, is it the taboo associated with um, period talks? Um, are we just that ignorant? I don't believe that we are because the literature and the knowledge is out there. But, you know, it, it has to start with a conversation. Well, I think there's just so much shame put around women's vaginas in general mm-hmm. <laughs> in the sense like mm-hmm. we have to like spruce them up now with scents and flowery mm-hmm. crap because people think they're supposed to smell a certain way when it's just like how our bodies exactly. naturally smell um, exactly. and I think for young girls it's it's a harder conversation to have especially in sports because there's so few female coaches that it's not mm-hmm. like there's a lot of young girls that can go to a female coach and be like, hey, I got my period. What do I do? So there's not a lot of guidance that they can get in the world so of athletics. I agree with you 100%, right? There's not a lot of female coaches. However, and I'm going to try to pick my words nicely when I say this. Um, sometimes female coaches don't... Um, as much as they have gone through or go through the same thing as us, the culture hasn't necessarily been for them to be um, caretakers in those situations either. So it's one of those things where it's like, 
yes, on a level, I do have to suck it up and I do have to get the job done at the end of the day. But if there's a way that we can have a conversation and do it in a in a safe way, let's explore that. But I have to challenge that and say that although there aren't very many female coaches in the space, um, you know, sometimes it is difficult to go to your female coach and express that this is um, what's going on. So I think it, it's a, a culture and a conversation that needs to be had overall, not just with the male coaches, not just bringing female coaches into the space, but let's make this a conversation that's safe, you know? Yeah, I, I generally, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and I think it's because, you know, if we're not having these conversations, we can't really know what it, a healthy period should feel and look like. I feel like some of us talk, like one reason why female coaches might not be sympathetic or be able to help um, young girls is like maybe like me I never really experienced like intense pain while playing so if some girl's like oh I have my period part of me is like just do your thing like but some people have really intense pain and then some people who have really intense pain think that's how it's supposed to be every time and sometimes there's complications with that that needs to be checked early so yeah it's just something where you know, there needs to be a general conversation so we can all just like check in and be like, okay, is my body good? Like, when is it okay to, for me to push myself? When is it okay? Or right. when do I need to rest? Um, kind of thing. But yeah. Right. Yeah. When I-, I, I agree. Yeah. It's definitely an education thing because even when you start getting into like fibroids and endometriosis, and I even had a conversation today with another one of my teammates of like, how long is your period? How long is my period is such and such? Like, we don't even know what a normal period cycle is, you know, mm-hmm. but for lack of conversation, lack of educating ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We, and I think too, like just in like the space of the the topic of periods like we call it ant flow or assign all these cutesy (laughs) names with it instead of just like calling it what it is because we're trying to make it less embarrassing and I think if we can just say hey I am I'm on my period I am bleeding right now and that is okay because that is normal women's bodies typically do that every 21 to 27 days I think just taking away the cutesy names can maybe help destigmatize it a little bit. Um, That's so funny that you say that. I know you probably want to move on to the next topic, but this is the last thing that I'm going to say. No, no, because, please go. <laughs> because our, um, our sound producer is a guy, and he's loving this right now. So he has a, he just he has a baby girl. And so he has, he's learning so much of what he can talk about with her in the future. So this is good for him. (laughs) But no, because, you know, we were talking about the campaign that myself and another young lady were working on and we're like racking our brains right now with um, a name for this thing, right? And we started off with, you know, well, let's take the negative connotation and change it into a positive one, right? So I don't want to say on air what we actually, the first thing that we came up with, and I kind of soft pitched it to people and they were like, oh no, like no one's going to listen because I'm already turned off. And I'm like, but that's the point, right? Like, why are you so offended by what I was made, like one of the things that my body was made to do, you know? Like, so it's interesting that you say that, like, 
Why do we have to make it a cutesy name? Why do we have to call it the flower or call it the, it's my freaking vagina and she bleeds every month. <laughs> is that the name that you chose? Now I'm trying to guess. What is it like? <laughs> shedding blood? Like some, like that sounds more like a metal band actually. Like, like spotted panties. Like what? I can't even think of like what the, who this title could be. <laughs> I mean, if we get off air, I'll tell you, or I can text you. No, or something it's all good. Off air. no, I'll wait for the surprise. But you had my brain like coming up with what could be actual band names. I actually might start a band now. Thank you. <laughs> Blood. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna wrap up this uh, interview with one last question, Anya. If you wanna. Oh, yes. Um, I would like to know what being a rule breaker means to you. And I, actually, I, I also want to follow it up with one more question of what is your favorite rule? Or what is what is the time that you remember breaking a rule or going against the status quo that worked in your favor? Ooh. Okay, so I'm, I'm not by definition a rule breaker. I'm I'm one of those people that like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Even at 32, I'm still like that. Um, nah, I'm lying. I break the speed limit every day. <laughs> oh, who doesn't though? But are you like five miles per hour above or is it like 20? I have, I have this rule that, you know, the speed limit is the speed limit plus at least 10. <laughs> yeah, that's standard. At least. Um, <laughs> and I have a habit of buying, driving fast cars. So just, you know, I don't want to put no, you know, any police officer listening to this now is going to be out trying to stop me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that would be my favorite rule to break, <laughs> which is a law. But... <laughs> Um, which I mean, I guess I run fast for a living, so it just makes sense, right? I have to do everything fast, right? <laughs> um, but no, I say, I, I guess it's it's my mantra overall: like, be unapologetic. Like, don't be who anyone, who society, who mom and dad, brother or sister, family, friends want you to be. Be who you are, and be unapologetic about that. Like. At the end of the day, at the end of the night, you have to look yourself in the mirror and you have to be happy when you go to bed at night. And I think that starts with being true to who you are. Would you say that that is a rule then or a status quo that I you guess, have that for sure. in your favor? For sure. Because um, uh, like I said, at the beginning of my career, I was definitely ridiculed for, you know, what's up with the hair? What's up with the makeup? Why did she wear that outfit today? And, and now it's like I'm celebrated for it. And people, you know, can you help me with this? Or can you know? So I yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now you're building a whole new business around it, too. Because exactly. people want to look like you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, you know, that's how most things start. It's true. So. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. It's been an awesome conversation. It was a lot of thank fun. You. I Likewise, I enjoyed thoroughly. 
to recap. Natasha is amazing. I felt like I just got a pep talk that I needed. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of uh, things that she mentioned that I felt like I needed to hear today. Yes. Reminders are always great. What was one thing that you took away from the conversation that made you feeling empowered or maybe thinking a little bit differently? Um, I think the patience part. I mean, actually, Anya, you said that. Um, of I am filled with wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're talking about the work and the work that matters, and I think the you know, what Natasha's saying about, like, the affirmations and stuff like that. I think, again, we're always kind of seeking for this um, instant gratification from doing them, which is why I think people get really fed up with affirmations and feel stupid and it's not working. And I think habitually, until today, I've had this attitude of, like, you know, I do X, Y, and Z, that's the formula, boom, it happens, I'll be a unicorn by the time I'm done. Um, because everybody wants to be a unicorn at the end of the day. Um, but really just, you know, it's, it is working. And um, it's kind of like you get like a, a, a marble slab that you're trying to like chisel into like a statue. Like you're kind of just like chipping away into the art that you want to make and that takes time. And sometimes you don't, you can't even see the full thing before you get started. And so I think being gentle with myself and maybe not even treating it as work, but treating it like play, like this is an experiment kind of thing. And um, just realizing that every day I get a chance to just choose again, like every, you know, you only live in the present is what a lot of people say. And so I think that's what I walked away with was just like, you know, being patient with that process and realizing that life is the process. It's never the goal because you get to the goal and then you're like, wait, I want all this other stuff too. Crap, like you're always wanting things. So to be stuck in the wanting, I think, is kind of the danger sometimes. What is an affirmation that you say to yourself on the daily? On the daily, oh man. Uh, That the that the universe is always providing what I need. I just need to sit back and allow. That's deep. Yeah, that's not an I am one, (laughs) but that's one that I say. (laughs) That's good though. I've actually started doing more affirmations recently and I've started journaling a lot more. Um, I'm not one to like look in a mirror and be like, you are enough, you are tall. <laughs> okay, I do that though, so don't go mocking. No, 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 no. I'm saying I can't do it. I I can't look at myself and do it. I I I giggle a little too much when I do that kind of thing. So I've had to resort to writing it out. But I I find that just writing out the things that I want and and looking at it on on a daily basis and reminding myself of the things that I need to do to get to the things that I want. And also it it kind of serves as like. Um, this gauge of what I have accomplished because I think sometimes we don't even realize how much we've actually done and we don't take the time to sit back and appreciate what we have um, what we have accomplished and I'm I'm definitely guilty of that because I'm always focusing on the future and then and what's next and not like oh what what have I done in this present moment that I've what goal have I reached recently and when I sit back and I appreciate oh I actually I accomplished that thing that's awesome. Yeah. I can't believe I did that. 
then it frees me up to focus on the next thing a little bit more because now I've at least appreciated, mm-hmm. you know, the other stuff with it. Yeah. When you're super focused on what's not there and the lack, it's just like, how is that? How are you motivating yourself in that way? I mean, it can if it's like so extreme where you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm so hungry, I need a burger, and you like rush to the like that. That's an effective like way to use want, I think, or if just you're in a really stressful situation. But I think most of us who are just like, oh, like I gotta get that promotion, I gotta get this, I gotta get that, like we start kind of not yeah like you said not appreciating ourselves we get stuck in that and that's not helpful (laughs) and I think it also you can stress yourself out when you're Mm -hmm. so worried about what you don't have or what hasn't been accomplished yet that you don't allow your mind to free itself to find solutions or a pathway to the thing that you need or to the thing that you desire Mm -hmm. it's all about freeing your mind Free yourself <laughs> from negativity. <laughs> what did Bob Marley say? And I'll end on this quote. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. Wow. Yes. I'm, we are all in bondage. Until you decide that you don't want to be. Exactly. Don't forget that. Was it take the blue pill, the red pill? No? Do we know in the Matrix? I find that sometimes there are more um, natural remedies that help you. Okay, never I mind. Think Bob lost. Marley and I would be in agreement with we that. We lost team. Remember Bob Marley, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Please like, listen, and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. Oh.